0: It's positive spark plug time and I'm your host Candace, and I am so excited for you guys today for I have a very special guest Mike Beldos. and we have a conversation about leadership, about coaching, about building a business, about the power of communication. This man is just full of knowledge inspiration and he truly does help so many fit pros go beyond just the fitness when it comes to the industry and when it comes to coaching this is just a phenomenal conversation and I'm so excited for you guys to hear it so let's get
1: going
2: Hey, Mike, how are you?
1: Really good. How are you, Candace?
0: I'm great. Um, I'm so excited to have you on uh, the Positive Spark Plug podcast. Um, I started following you through a follower um, and a previous podcast guest, Mike Salemi, and getting to just know a little bit about what you have done within your, your life and your career, um, I quickly knew that I wanted to have you on as a guest. So thank you so very much for giving your time today um, to share a little bit about who you are and all of the value and wisdom you have.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I hope I can share something today that people can leave with by the end of the show and say, hey, I'm going to make this change in my life and everything's going to be better after that. May not fix all your problems or anything like that, but make an improvement here and there.
0: Yes. So you are the founder and creator of a lot of very successful businesses, Uh, Barbell Shrug, Barbell Shrug Podcast, uh, Strong Coach, many other podcasts, and who else knows um, what I haven't gotten into yet. But I want to know, um, before all of this creation and success, who were you and, and what's your story? Can you share a little?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's parts of my story that are really unique or different than what the average person got their experience. And then there's some things that are very much similar to what most people go, oh, I have that in common with Mike. So I'll okay. start with the things that are in common, you know, that for a lot of people is, you know, if I rewind back to 25 years old, I was a college student. I was yeah. uh, trying to prove myself to myself and to the world. And uh, I had, uh, you know, just gotten out of the military. And, you know, I just really, I was living what, you know, someone looking from the outside in, or looking at you know paper you know pretty average pretty average life lifestyle and yeah. and that's definitely how I felt at the time i uh but I always always had this um feeling that I was meant to do something more uh and that's something yeah. i I thought that everyone had that um but I don't think that's actually true after being in my line of work for a long time. <laughs> a lot of people are just happy with like status quo and and yeah. that's fine. And, but there's also a lot of people who have that same feeling that I had and, uh, build the skill of courage to begin taking action on those things. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So if you look at that, but there's also some really unique things that really gave me an advantage early on in life. Uh, one of which I was homeschooled, uh, K-12. And so, um, you know, the, I'm 38 now and the, you know the more I operate inside of this world the more I realize what an advantage uh the the lack of uh indoctrination did for me and so uh there's a you know I I run around I have a lot of friends who are entrepreneurs and yeah. when they find out that I was homeschooled they're like wow how lucky you were uh you know how much I had to unlearn in yeah. order to be successful and uh that's something uh, you know as time goes on i i really realized the impact that that had and that i missed out on between the ages of five and 18 years old i did not sit in a classroom and was told what the truth was and i had to regurgitate it and all that so there's 12 years of you know, sovereign thinking, um, you know, obviously my parents had an impact and media had an impact on my mind, but there wasn't nearly to the degree, um, that uh, I I've witnessed with other people. Um, I'm also really fortunate. My parents limited my TV watching tremendously at a young age. Uh, no, no television during the school week, only on the weekends and in the summer, only an hour a day. You know, and yeah. so, um, which is very different than what we're witnessing with people right now.
0: So different.
1: <laughs> yeah, and so I mean, we can just replace television with Instagram and TikTok and yep. Facebook. It's the same thing. If someone yep. thinks that if they're getting their information from Instagram, that they're not getting it from the mainstream media, they're very naive. They right? they don't they just don't realize it. Uh, yeah. th- these companies, Instagram, Facebook they create uh uh echo chambers you know yes. they just they just create uh an environment online that is gonna make you want to be there longer so yep. it's just a lot of agreements. kind of like people who watch fox news it's like they're really preaching to the choir and msnbc yep. they're preaching to the choir so the same thing happens on instagram is it you think that it's individual. It is individualized to you. You have your individualized echo chamber, which is very, very scary when you start, yeah. if you really sit back and think about it. So, um, a lot of the benefits I've had, I got the experiences because my life was different in those ways, you know, between, um, my schooling and, uh, my education was different. A lot of it was self-directed as well. And then, um, and then, yeah, just limitations on on media. Outside of that, you know, I I was 19. I joined the military. Um, what
2: what, uh, what
0: drove you to to join the military?
1: Um, you know what? I really wanted to be. Uh, I wanted to make a difference in the world, a positive chi- difference in the world. I I had a lot of um patriotic, you know, feelings at the time, and yep. I also am somebody who really like. Like I see challenge and I have to run towards it. And so, right. um, you know, I was like, Oh, what's the hardest thing I can do in the military? Oh, there's this Navy SEAL training thing. I'll go do that. Um, I, I, uh, I did not complete the training. I got hurt. And then I was like, uh, and they go, well, you can, you can start over again. I was like, well, I quit for, I'll come back at a later time. And I never did. Yeah. But Um, yeah. And so, uh, I got into entrepreneurship. I started a CrossFit gym in 2007 while I was in school for kinesiology, and it's uh, it's really really interesting because I never really wanted to be a business owner. My dad was a business owner, and I saw all the pain and suffering that he went through, and I didn't want to repeat that. Yeah. And uh, and but the thing is, is like I just saw a need. You know, I go, oh, you know, I wanted to go coach at a CrossFit gym, and I realized that there were no gyms in Tennessee, the entire state I was living in. I go, well, I guess I'll just start one then. And I didn't really think about it as like, oh, I'm starting a business. Like, yeah, I have to apply for a business license, start a bank account, and all this stuff. But I didn't, I wasn't doing it to be quote unquote successful. I wasn't trying to make a million dollars. I wasn't trying to do any of that. Um, I never really cared about money uh, aside from just paying my rent and doing a few things I wanted to do. Um, That was a lie I told myself uh and so uh, that's a lie a lot of people tell themselves uh so uh, i lived in that life for a long time until i uh, experienced enough suffering from not being able to pay my bills living in my gym not being able to afford the lifestyle that i wanted and so um so yeah i i went i i dropped out of i was in graduate school for kinesiology i dropped out of that and i went all in on business and when i started studying business yeah a, a lot of things changed a lot of things changed and i a lot of assumptions i had about business were were completely and uh and i uh really started having fun with it and now uh <clears throat> running a business is one of my favorite things in the world to do it's so much fun because um. You know, I think a lot of people like myself think about business and they think about, you know, bookkeeping and they think about, you know, yep. like market, you know, all the numbers and marketing campaigns and all this stuff. And I'm just like, yeah. you know, what? that's just such a small part of business. You know, uh, my favorite part of business is that you can make it up however you want. You
2: no. know, there's, oh.
1: there's certain rules that you have to abide by, you know, yeah. the, you know, the government. Definitely want you to pay taxes and follow certain regulations and so on and so forth. But outside of those few rules, you know, you can negotiate deals however you want to negotiate them. Like there's way more, there's way more room for creativity than people think there is. There's a lot more create room for creativity than I thought there was. And uh, you know, I uh, now I enjoy creating inside a business it's very very powerful because you know when when you figure out certain things and you get to and and you start creating more energy you can think about money as energy and you start generating tons of energy and and managing tons of energy managing people resources it's really people and resources and and people's attention when you're managing that and shaping that it becomes a it becomes a lot of fun because you get to to make a really big impact if that's what you desire. I I do yeah. imagine that most people want are not happy with the way the world currently is. Yep. And they want to make a difference, and but they don't really know how. Yes. Uh, but business, I think, is the most powerful way to do it. Uh. And it's, I I think it's a lot of fun for that. I I would encourage anybody who wants to make a difference in the world to to stop holding a sign and open a business.
0: Ah, I like that. I have a couple questions for you. One, um, is you say you see like a a struggle and it's like, you want to run towards it. I want to ask, how has that helped you and how has that hindered you throughout the years?
1: Yeah. So, the way it's helped me is it's made me very strong. Uh just like you go into the weight room, you go to the gym and you work out, you know, if you didn't use any if there was no resistance, you wouldn't be strong. Right? Yeah. And yeah. so uh running towards challenge has been I wouldn't say struggle. Uh I would say challenge. The okay. uh, struggle's a choice. Uh, okay. and uh and I definitely used to choose struggle. Um, and I've I now there's there is no struggle, um, no matter how challenging something may be. So okay. uh, the I running towards challenge also really uh, I mentioned early in this show is courage is a skill to be developed, just like a muscle can be developed as a strength. So uh what i see happening is in in our culture is uh most people are raised with very little courage yeah. they're not taught courage parents yeah. make it way too easy for kids they don't challenge them they don't ask them to do scary things because yep. the parents are scared yeah. and so what ends up happening is those children inherit uh a they're, they're low-skilled. They were never taught how to exercise courage. And so what you have is a lot of people who are... Uh, fear-driven. Uh, they're what?
0: Like fear-driven, almost. They're
1: fear-driven, but they're also uh, cowards. And so uh, there's like a lot of cowardice in our culture. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. that was and then there's other people like myself. I was very, very fortunate. My dad was having me practice courage at a very young age, you know, pushing me into things I might not have wanted to do and so on and so forth, whether it be jumping off a cliff or getting in front of being in a play and getting in front of hundreds of people to recite my lines and sing a song. And so Mm -hmm. uh, there was just so much. Yeah. So like, Running towards challenge it strengthened the muscle of just like being able to grind and work hard and get through things and realizing that you know if you just because you want it doesn't make it doesn't mean you deserve to have it like yeah you actually have to take action yeah you actually have to change how you're behaving yeah uh, just because you think and feel it you know that, that's a really common mistake so running towards challenge really it, it improved my and improve my ability to work. Uh, I can, I can outwork most people, uh, if need be. I, I try not to use that. Uh, that's like, a that's like the last gear. That's like a tool in the toolbox. Most people over rely on one gear, which is hard work. Yeah. Um, and they just burn themselves out. It's a gear I use maybe two, three times a year, you know, for a week or two at a time. Um, and, uh, and, but I don't want to live there. So it's like you don't want to lift the heaviest weight possible every day. That'd be dumb. Uh, Yes. So so is working hard every day. That's dumb.
2: Yes. Oh,
1: yeah. uh, I agree. uh, So it gave me that ability, but where it started holding me back is uh, when I would start seeking challenge for challenge's sake and not necessarily in line with – the impact I want to make. So I started, It started, uh, hindering the impact because I would do things the hard way because I, I felt personally more valuable as a human being. Okay. Working hard because, uh, you know, you would, again, you adopt beliefs from your parents. And I imagine that a lot of people get this one from one of their parents. My dad definitely installed the belief that, uh, you're not, you know, if you want to be a good person, you work hard. So if yep. I wasn't working hard then I'd be lazy and lazy people suck basically.
2: Yes. <laughs> so
1: um w- it put me in a perpetual state of working hard and basically you know people can think about it like this is how many how many days end how many times do you end your work day and you feel like you didn't get anything done but you're busy all day. Yes.
2: Yeah. You
1: know super super yep. common. That so is that is likely a result of a limiting belief. There is something you think is true about the world that just isn't so. And uh, working hard being a virtue uh, is one of them. Uh, and so uh, the the better virtue to replace yeah. that with is impact. You know, what do I, what am I doing to make the world a better place? And For me, uh, nine times out of 10, my impact doesn't require hard work. It requires a conversation. It requires a request. It requires something very easy. One out of 10 times, it requires hard work. And that's when I get to dip into that gear and I get to use it. And by the way, I'm fresh when I hit hard work gear. Everyone else has been in hard hard work gear the whole time. So when I hit it, I blaze right past them, and yeah then when I'm done i i I set it off to the side and they're still doing their thing and still trying to catch up so um you know the gift the gift was improving my ability to that gear it yeah. improved my uh ability to practice courage on a regular basis, but it held me back in that I would choose to do things the hard way versus the smart way, uh simply because i was operating from a place and and it's an unconscious thing yes it's an unconscious thing and people don't think they're doing that they a lot of people are like i work smart and i'm like yeah but do you feel as though how much time are you spending on strategy and how much time are you spending on morning routine versus you know like the setting up of your day versus the actual grinding yeah, I spend I spend as much time, if not more in strategy and in sharpening my tools and all that than I do actually performing the work itself, my actual performing of work per day, three, four hours.
0: Yeah. and then the rest is sharpening that's that's so important it's like it's like any top professional athlete right it's that daily grind and and training that they do that gets them to the top performance on the day of the meets or the game or whatever that is if Mm -hmm. they didn't train or practice or they didn't you know have proper nutrition and they just let everything go until the day of or until time of business or you know, putting that pedal down to the metal, um, they, they would not be where they are. Um, what was it about the fitness industry besides, um, that there was no gyms where you were that made you go into that route, uh, when you first started off in business?
1: Oh, I was, um, I was fascinated with training. You know, I started training when I was 13, 14, 15 years old, you know, I did some simple training when I was thirteen and started watching my nutrition and then when I was fifteen i was able I was allowed in the weight room, so I started training yeah. uh more traditionally then and I started sharing the information I had with my friends and my family so I was always interested yeah. in the topic yeah. and then fitness so um i I was so obsessed with it that that's what caused me to open the gym not because. Okay. I, I had no interest in running a business at all. Yeah. I, I, I you know, marketing and sales were dirty words and finance. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to deal with that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. wasn't your thing. So you were pretty much like the, your desire to open the gym was more or less because it was something that, um you had skill and knowledge and you wanted to share it. It was, it was about the impact more or less of at the time, creating a business that has then exploded. Um, what that, were that's been the case of, for almost
1: every business I've opened is I, I yes. was like, I was looking at the market and I go, no one's doing that. Somebody should do it. And then a week or two passes and I go, Oh, I'm supposed to do it. Okay. <laughs> uh, thanks for the message. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
2: that's
0: um, so you have you started off and you you have um, like you said, many businesses and avenues of sharing value. Um on the side of your barbell shrugs, you created a podcast to go with it. What was your desire to create that along with your your company? And uh do you have any tips for like people like me? Um, that are, you know, diving into the podcast world, um, in what they should do and, and how they should Avenue themselves.
1: Yeah. So what, uh, we started Barbell Shrugged because I was beginning to experience podcasts for myself and I wanted to find a strength and conditioning podcast that I like. And there wasn't one just like the CrossFit gym. By the way, I I had started a couple of businesses from 2007 to 2012 that were not that, that were failures. So one of them being an equipment business and, you know, know, I, I started different things, you know, just to get into them to realize that I did not want to do that. So even though it cost me a lot of time, energy, and money, it was totally worth it. I mean, people People spend six figures on college educations all the time these days. You know, I spend yeah. that much on business education through uh, just trying things out um, and doing the things that most people are afraid of, which is like losing time, energy and money. But yeah. it's not a loss. It's an investment and it's an investment in education. Uh, so I started the podcast and my business partner, Doug, and I at the time, we both knew that the podcast was good create a business opportunity for us. We had some interest in doing an online business up to that point. We had tried blogging, we had tried different things, but we really didn't find the thing that resonated with us. So we started the podcast and I was so excited about it. I always wanted to do radio since I was a little kid. Not like not that I wanted that to be my full time gig, but I always thought like the DJ's job was the coolest job around. Oh so yeah. Like, uh which now I DJ music too. So it uh it That's actually,
2: fun.
1: I'm doing the whole thing. So, how can you
0: how can you not think DJing is fun? Like you you're bringing people to dancing, and dancing
2: is fun. <laughs>
1: that's right. That's right. If you can get people moving with it. Yes. Beat, that's that's, just, that's a good feeling. So um, so we started that and it took us, you know, we, we made some products, some like online digital products. We filmed a seminar, we sold it, you know, we were making, you know, maybe a thousand bucks a month on good months. Um, and then, um, I, uh, I went to a, a marketing business conference for people who were doing things online, uh, a year and a half into running the podcast. And I learned mm-hmm. some, I learned some things that would help me create, uh, a product or a service that my audience would be totally in for. So, um, from there, like we knew it was gonna be a successful business, but it was at that point where we started making real money, where, yeah. you know, everyone, you know, we could make it our full-time job. We, it was the best we'd ever been paid in our lives. And so we had cracked the code, um, in, in a way. Yeah. So. My advice. So in my business, the strong coach, um, I primarily teach people how to build coaching businesses. And so it's, it's basically the same exact skill set you need to start any business. And that okay. is, is go to your prospective clients or your current clients. If you have any, go yeah. to your prospective clients, your, your, the people who are your biggest f- and the people who, you also enjoy working with right? that's really yeah. important, and ask them about you know what uh what are they getting out of the relationship you have already so if you're a podcaster, you would say, you know why do you listen to my show you know and uh or if you're someone posting on instagram you know what do you like about my feed um uh what problem are 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 you looking to solve by consuming my content uh, and really getting in touch. I, I like to sit down with a prospective client for an hour. Okay. Have a conversation. I like to think about like, what what was their motivation for, for contacting me or for uh, following my stuff? Uh, yep. I ask them about that first. Um, I ask them. And then when I find out what the problem is, I find out I want to know what they've done in the past to try to solve that problem. So we can talk about like a really simple one, especially since I come from the fitness arena is weight loss. Yes. Or fat loss. People, people, uh, you know, they may be, they may start following somebody who specializes in nutrition and weight loss because they're trying to solve the problem that, you know, I want to be leaner. uh, Um, But they probably did a bunch of diets before that. They did a bunch of other stuff. And so you want to know like, what people did before and what they failed at so that you can then create something that is going to be better than that and fill in those yeah. gaps. Um, More
2: individualized.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so um I really like that. That's the beginning. And from there, it's start finding out what's the solution that we can create for this client that. They're obviously coming to me for this information already. Yeah. You likely already have everything you need knowledge wise to create it, or you can get, you know, or or you know, go learn something quickly so that you can create create. Um most a lot of the stuff that I've ever done, like I was figuring out how to make it as we were making it. It wasn't like yeah. I know exactly what to do. It's like, no, no, no. Uh so really uh that that's that's my advice for people who are starting any type of business endeavor whether it's a coaching business pod you know selling something off podcast or whatever is just ask your customers you know i'm at the point now with any of my businesses that the the customer is shaping my marketing the customer is shaping the product like i'm there more as as someone who's who's listening 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 Oh, okay. This sounds like you want more of this or less of that. Okay. I'm going to shape this product or service a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to reintroduce it to you. What do you think now? Okay. It's way better now. Okay. Cool. So for me, it's an ongoing process, uh, an ongoing conversation with our, with our current, current customers or prospective customers to figure out what's going to help them most.
2: That's good. I
0: like that. I wrote down some dot notes. If you didn't notice. Um, speaking of like transitioning and and going through different like processes to figure out like what have you done in the past and what you can do in the future, you went from more of like fitness based business to now like a mindset coaching, helping entrepreneurs start their own business. What was it that sparked your, your, your desire to transition over and how was that transition?
1: Yeah, so one thing that all the coaching I had been introduced to uh until um, maybe f- six years ago was yeah. all fitness. It was all like sports or fitness coaching. And then when I got deeper into the entrepreneurial world and I was growing my own business, I came in contact with a leadership coach. Yeah. Well, so I worked with a leadership coach. I was like, oh, you know, you could be coached on this. Now, Now I know you can be coached on anything. Um, yeah. Anything you want to get better at, there's a coach for it. Um, and if you've never hired a coach, I highly recommend it. It's uh, it's the fastest way to get good at something. Uh, yeah. So um, I started working with a leadership coach. And that, that definitely opened my eyes to the world of this is – and not only that, all the stuff I learned from different types of coaching that were not health and fitness allowed me to become a better health and fitness coach. And yeah. then also I was teaching gym owners uh, – as a consultant how to be more successful in the gyms. And so it was twenty eighteen, or it was late twenty seventeen, early twenty eighteen, I decided to take off the year and not work. So I okay. away. my business barbell shrugged, where we're selling a lot of fitness services and products and I uh just decided to travel the world. So and enjoy myself for once. And yeah. I six months into it i was committed to just screwing off for a year but i uh six months into it i i was very Mm -hmm. inspired and i realized that coaches were my favorite clients because even if they weren't Mm paying me anymore i was hanging out with them and enjoying them for my favorite people to hang out with and so I actually started a a strong coach program a couple of years ago out of inspiration to just help make coaches better at their job. You know, I was hanging out and I was like, oh, I'm seeing where they're having trouble. And then I started a program and then inside the program, I realized, oh, they need help Mm -hmm. with business. They need, you know, like it's, I don't care how good of a coach they are. If they can't market themselves and get new clients, it doesn't matter. And yeah. so, st- and then I, uh, and then I go, Oh, the money management skills are really poor in the coaching industry. Okay. I'll make sure that's part of my career now. So, um, where I've really transitioned is, you know, I started off as somebody who's like, like my initial endeavor was very selfish. And okay. I, I want this kind of gym. So I'll start a gym. You know, this is yeah. what I want. So I'm going to create it. And yes. I was just lucky enough that a lot of other people want the same thing I want. But my tune has changed over the years and it's become less about what I want. It's become way more about what the customer wants. Yeah. So it's a dance. They're, I'm not just giving customers whatever they want. Because if I just gave people what they wanted, I'd probably make some type of product full of sugar and fat. And I would sell it to them and it would, and it would make a lot of money. So, I don't give, so there's this dance. There's this, what do they really want? You know they yeah. don't want to lose weight, like the woman that comes in the gym doesn't want to lose weight. she may be fat, but yep. she doesn't want to lose weight. She wants to be attractive, she doesn't want her husband to leave her she yes. there's other shit going on
0: deeper deeper rooted yeah. issues yes yeah,
1: so as an entrepreneur, my job is you know the 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 entrepreneur that's only that's only uh looking out for themselves and want to make money they'll give the customer whatever. Like very yeah. surface level shit. Like the the companies that make the most amount of money,
2: to keep them sell, coming back.
1: Yeah, they sell very superficial items. Yeah, uh, but those who uh, are willing to look more into psychology and go, okay, they say they want this, but I'm having a deeper conversation with my potential customers. The real solution to their problem has nothing to do with where they're focused. I got to do this. So now I. Have to be even better at marketing because what I have to do is I have to meet that customer where the conversation in their head, the actual words that are running through their head and out their yeah. mouth. I have to have that. Con- I have to meet them there and then I have to create a trail to the actual solution of their problem. Problem. Because if I present that the solution, they won't recognize it as the solution. No. They'll just think I'm crazy and they may even think it's the opposite of what they need. Yes that actually happens a lot. Um, and so, um, so as a more sophisticated marketer and businessman, I look at where, what, uh, where do I see pain in the world and what's causing that pain? And how can I create uh, a solution to that root cause that, that root trauma that's creating that desire? And so, um, yeah, it's, it's become really, really interesting and fun. I, my, the majority of my work is still training coaches. <clears throat> um, and uh, I I view more of our work as solving the problems of the world through coaching. And so it's a dance in that way. Is that I'm choosing that I'm working with coaches. Yes. I'm choosing uh, how, you know, based on what I see, what I want to be different about the world, and I'm creating... Uh businesses to yep. make that change, and so it's a dance It's a dance between what I desire in my business and what my customers desire from my yes. business and so it's just a back and forth, and I really enjoy it
2: how
0: How crucial is it for you as like a leader and business owner to find and build a team um and what qualities do you look for
1: so uh when building a team, I only hire what I need, so it's okay. is really like what is the mission of the business and who what it needs to what are the activities that need to completed to make that happen um and I used to do a lot more you know hire employees and then find something for them to do now okay. i I utilize a lot more contractors, I might need somebody for a month, and I don't need them the next month so I'm way more Michigan oriented the older I get. Okay. And so that's how I work. Now on my uh strong coach team, uh, the yes. company's been around for about 2 years. There's 10 of us on staff, okay. full time. And uh the uh, our culture is so strong. And so yeah. everybody on my team has been through uh a couple of my programs, at least, they've been through uh, a couple of my coaching programs. We all have very similar philosophies. We speak the same language. The culture is strong. Um, I have a certain lifestyle that I teach, and everybody on the team adopts, you know, most of that lifestyle themselves. So we're really uh, a, a small. What are some
0: group of the words that would describe that that lifestyle, that culture, that your your coaching program has within it?
1: Um, well, health comes first and taking care of yourself and you can't, uh, you can't teach other people to be healthy when you're, when you're fat and sick yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, we lead by example, uh, and we lead a healthy lifestyle by example. Um, you look at a lot of companies, you can look at a lot of health companies out there. You look at the staff and you go, what's going on? Yeah. How is this possible? Yes. So, uh, we really, that's one of the things, uh, we play a lot.
2: Yes.
1: We, that's we don't, so important. we, we play with our work. Our work is play and play is work and, and we're having a good time, you know, even if we're sitting down at a laptop and crunching numbers, Yeah. You know, there's, there's play in that. Uh, we really value that, um. Uh, language, we're very intentional about the words we use. Uh, and we all have a lot of the same training around language and we understand that language shapes our reality. Uh, very, people are very uh, aware of that inside of our company. Uh, we also, everyone's been through training where we are really present with our emotions. Uh, Good. And so when you have the language component and the emotional component, is that and then everyone has you know like it's a it's a company where there's everyone has their own spiritual practices and does breath work and meditation it's just the the lifestyle like if you so there's five of us in a house in bend oregon right now yeah and part of our lifestyles we travel a lot and so even when there's a lockdown and uh We gathered. If you walk in, you know, we've got like weird water filtration systems. I'll go get some spring. I'll go get some spring water from a local spring because water, you know, we're made mostly of water. So if you want to be healthy, you drink healthy water. Yeah. So like we're doing that. You'll catch us in the morning doing, uh, movement in the backyard, playing around with kettlebells, clubs, maces, crawling around, um, all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, if you came to the house, you'd go, well, it's a little, people are doing it a little different here. Um, and it's really cool because if you were to look at the, the pieces of paper with numbers on them, you'd go, these these folks are successful.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: if you were to see us playing at the park, you might think that we're not successful. <laughs> <a bunch> <laughs> Big kids
2: adult, playing at the park.
1: It's a bunch of adults that are acting like children and just playing around all the time. I don't think they work. I like They're <laughs> just traveling and fucking off all the time. Yeah. And it's like, Nah, uh, like, it's just, that's how it is. So that's, that's, that's a big part of like what's going on with us culturally. And, uh, Peter Drucker, who's the godfather of business, like, he, he created business school for, for, uh, universities way back in the day. You know, there's a famous quote. He has many famous quotes, but one of them is culture eats strategy for breakfast. And I like that. So many companies are so focused on strategy and not focused on culture enough. And what really has us stand apart, which is nice is, yeah, we value strategy tremendously. But you have to be bought into the culture of our company. Yeah. Like our training, our, our programs, if people go through our programs, they are introduced and indoctrinated into our way of doing things, which is our culture, and since all of our hires come from inside, yeah. we' lead with culture culture yeah. is our that's our number one superpower is our culture, and then strategy comes second
0: that's smart I like that yes the way um the way you lead is is truly important um I have this quote from one of my mentors, Sergeant Ken. Um, he always says, uh, lead from the heart and teach from the head. So when he says that, I was like, that is so powerful because really that's where you're going to make the truest impact and the most connection is when you are being transparent and you're leading from the heart and you're really caring and being aware of what your clients or who you're working with, your team is really needing at the moment, not what they're just asking for and and then you know teaching them and presenting things through the heart but also with all the knowledge and wisdom that you've learned and and strategies that you can bring to the table and create
1: yeah definitely
0: um what you you seem to be an extremely big high performer in like all that you do business physical aspects what is it that creates
2: a top performer or a high performer
1: uh, number one is intention is being intentional about everything you do and being intentional. I think needs to start small. Okay. Yeah. Be intentional about one thing and then another thing and another thing. So, and what I mean by that is why are you doing what you're
2: doing
1: and questioning Canada. everything? Because the majority of what people do throughout their day is they're doing it just because that's how they've always done it. That's what their yeah. mom told them, that's what their dad told them, that's what their school teacher told them. Uh usually most people are informed on how to do things by people who are low performers. Uh and so uh yeah, it's I'm not saying you have to go learn from another high performer, although that's a great shortcut. Um yep. but Start asking yourself like, why do I, you know, uh, what's the intention of the first thirty minutes of my day? Okay. Like, what what is the best use of the thirty minute, the first thirty minutes of my day? Well, if what would be an unintentional and an unconscious way of going about the first thirty minutes of your day, and I imagine this is how most people start their day is a there's an alarm clock that yep. jars them from whatever. St- Part of sleep they're in, and it's a yeah. an natural way to wake up. Um, and then, what's the first thing they do? Because their alarm is on their phone. They check check Instagram. Uh, yep. So immediately, you are distracting yourself from what is happening with you, and you are inputting someone else's thoughts, ideas, beliefs from the very moment you wake up. When you're the most susceptible to messaging. So your brain waves are moving at a at a pace that yep. makes you more susceptible to the programming. Yeah. And so now you're gonna live out your day on somebody else's agenda. Yes. So how many time check in with yourself? How do you feel? Go go a couple hours without checking Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or whatever. Go a couple hours, see how you feel, and then check back in, see how you feel then, and also pay attention to where your mind goes where does it go so i like starting at the beginning of the day and how can i be intentional about my day first thing the okay. a, uh an unconscious unintentional way would be pick up your phone a conscious intentional way of going about your day it's like what's the best thing i can do in the first 30 minutes of my day well for me it's uh i'm gonna brush my teeth immediately i am i make my bed yep uh order i create order and I uh drink 20 ounces of water. And then I do about 10, 15 minutes of movement, really light movement, yeah. stretching. And then I do some breath work and I do some meditation. And by then it's the first 30 minutes of my day. So in the first 30 minutes of my day, I may even wake up with my mind running a million. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. <clears throat> yep. No matter how much I feel like I need to do something, I don't. And I sit and I move and I meditate and I drink my water. Cause A, uh I am you know, I imagine I'm like you and the majority of my body is made up of water and if I stop yeah. breathing, I'll die. Uh yes. so I give attention to the the two of the physical elements that we really need to pay attention to is water and air. And of course, if I bring my breath into it, I now introduce fire, and I definitely want to get some earth in there. So I do it on the ground. I do. I get outside if I can, and uh, do it there. So I remind myself, and what I do is I, I tune my my being, be in yep. tune with the world, nature, earth. Um, when I'm in tune. There's no suffering. There is no struggle. Right? I'm in a harmony with what is. And so, uh, what I do is I I get away from as much man made stuff as possible and get get present with what is. And then I go back to what man has created. And I, I can then, if I do that in the first 30 minutes of my day, the rest of my day is so much better, so much easier, uh, and and a lot more fun. Of course, That's just the first 30 minutes. What about the second 30 minutes and the third 30 minutes and the fourth 30 minutes? How intentional are you being with everything you're doing? You know, for someone to go, well, I'm going to start being intentional right now about everything. That's not going to happen. I, yeah. um, I, I started dating a new woman a few months ago and, and, a, and a few dating. weeks in, she's like, a few weeks in, she goes, you're different. I go, well, how am I different? She goes, you're so intentional about everything your intention about the type of water you drink i don't drink tap water i drink spring water yeah you're intentional about things that are mundane that other people are overlooking i'm intentional about my food my water my movement my posture uh my environment the lighting like there's the music i listen to the books i read the content i consume it's all intentional because I have a vision of the future of myself and a vision of the future of the world that is different than it is what right now. And my yeah. job is to move it in that direction. And if I am being unintentional with my heart, my thoughts and my behavior, then I will not make the difference I want to make. And I know that there's going to be a day where uh, I this uh physical body dies, and yeah. i'll I'll have a chance to go, you know did I do everything I could do uh to make a difference
0: what is what is your mission and your purpose, and has it transitioned throughout your life and what is it going forward
1: yeah, so it it really varies depending on the category you know, okay the you know uh, inside the fitness industry. I, the difference that we're making in the fitness industry is most of the fitness industry preys on the insecurities of uh, people who don't understand how health and fitness works. Yeah. And so if you look at the marketing, um, if you look at the way things are done, it's a lot of, um it, it can be somewhat predatory and it can also be, um, Uh, it's like making the insecurities even worse, not addressing the real problem.
0: Yeah, it's like amplifying them.
1: Yeah, and so uh, it's also very focused on the physical, which I see as the first step in personal development and and discovery. Uh, So it's great. And I'm also uh, arming the coaches that normally only work in the physical domain with the psycho-emotional tools to help their clients as well. And so, uh, in the United States, uh, mental health is, uh, you know, it's, it's terrible. Um, yeah. I mean, we can just look at everything that's been happening in the United States the last few months from the way that COVID has been uh, managed yeah. by the individual, I'm not, I'm not making commentary on any organizations. Um, to uh everything to do with uh protests and riots and just yeah. just witness
2: of-
1: yeah just witnessing where people's minds are at and because it's on it's on loudspeaker right now it is, it is. It's like oh wow we have a real problem and the moment that people had to you know they they did the lockdown for covid suicides went up yep well that's a mental health issue because you should be able to sit in silence with yourself and not feel like you want to end it. Yes. You know? And so uh, we... So that, that's a major issue. However, most people will never get help. Um, and so... Uh, but a lot of people will try to solve their problems by getting a six-pack or making them... Right? Yes. So we'll position ourselves as coaches who are there to help you get your six-pack. But guess what? We're also going to talk about... Life, because I'm the steward of my clients' dreams, and we're gonna get you there and if I see that something it's not a it's not that your training program or your nutrition plan is off, it's something going on with your heart or your mind yep. let's address that okay, let's remove that now what's possible and yeah. so um really where we're at with a strong coach the purpose of that business is to heal the fitness industry oh and, okay, yeah. And so, uh, and what that looks like is that people, not only do we take our clients to the point where they're training their bodies because they love their body and this is the vehicle that they get to be inside of for this lifetime, yeah. um, but that mm-hmm. we're also marketing in a way. And from the very beginning being much more aspirational than, um, uh, you know, ooh teaching our clients how to punish themselves because their body's not good enough. Yes. So we're right are, changing that. What there. are
0: some of the ways that you, you teach your coaches um, to help, you know, your, their clients that maybe are dealing with anxiety or depression to help them, you know, like you say, not just get that six pack, but also, you know, move the needle towards a more, you know, positive outlook and perspective, help. What strategies do you use to give your coaches to then help their clients?
1: Yeah, what we do is we, we do a lot of training where the practice is internal. Okay. And then, or and, and we have them do exercises with you know, their top clients where it's like, okay, we're going to set aside some time and we're going to work with just language. We're going to do this language exercise. We have a lot of different exercises. And so what you do is you practice it in isolation just like you would practice any skill and so and then you integrate it he's like oh i can like okay i can uh, now it just becomes part of your everyday conversation and so uh one of the biggest failures of most coaches is just the initiation of the relationship uh and so we teach coaches how to start a coach-client relationship where we're getting permission to coach them. And then we teach our clients how to be coachable and what coachability okay. actually means. And so what we do is we set up the context of the relationship in a way that gives us way more room to work. Um, and so, uh, yeah, one is setting the context. The other one okay. is we have a lot of language tools. And again, like to, to learn how to use language, with your clients and then get to the point where you've isolated it, mastered it. And now you can integrate it seamlessly. Um, Because by the way, all this training that we do, I had, I had isolated it at some point for myself. And then now it's just part of how I communicate with people. There is no, uh, I've changed how I talk. I changed, which has impacted the way I think. And so the way that I even interact with people is coming from a different place. So that's where we want to get coaches at is the way they're being and showing up in the world is actually different. And and in that like just being in their presence you'll go there's something different about this person. I'm more at ease. I feel more safe, I feel more comfortable. I'm willing to take risks. I'm willing to challenge myself. Yes. Uh, most people who are training with a coach don't feel safe enough to make mistakes yeah um they don't have
0: that courage like you were talking about in the beginning
1: yeah and so the training that we give our coaches helps them become that safe space that most clients couldn't put words to but they experience
0: yes oh that's amazing That is so amazing. Um, I know you are busy guys, so I don't want uh, to keep you too long. Um, I just have a couple more questions for you. Um, First off, where can my listeners find you?
1: Uh, You can find me on Instagram at Mike underscore Bledsoe. You can also check my podcast out at thebledsoeshow.com. And then for the coaches out there, thestrongcoach.com.
0: Awesome, awesome, awesome. My final question for you is what is your perspective on positivity?
1: Um My perspective on positivity, it's it's kind of like that gear, the, the work hard gear. Like it's Okay. It's something that has been underutilized in society and so when focused on it will uh Will give you amazing results. Amazing results. Um. I I don't like I I like to warn people away from like the just be positive. Yeah. No. Uh. But yeah, I mean a large part of what we do with our work is finding where someone's in a hole. You know they can't see the positive of anything, and we help them take uh things that are considered negative or negations. And we turn them into positive affirmations. So I like to go into the dark pits of negativity in order to transform that into positivity.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yes. I I'm also a believer in in the the fact that when you are able to really dive into let's say an unwanted emotion, the negative emotions that life brings in and we feel that's when we truly are able to enjoy the the good, positive emo- emotions that are a thing. If you dim out one, you're dimming out the other. You don't get to fully experience either or if you are not allowing yourself to really just be with it and own that feeling and let it just channel through your body and, and then outsource it, hopefully, in a positive manner and in a, in a positive response.
1: For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's just um, I like I like to say it like that and let people know because you know like uh, just be positive. It's like yeah, just trying to be positive doesn't work. There's like no, it, it doesn't. It takes a lot of takes a lot of understanding and and uh, practice.
2: Yes,
0: it certainly does. Um, thank you so very much for your time. There's so many questions that I could keep going on, like some of the levels of like that you're talking about instead of just like the go hard level. Um, so. Maybe a part two might come about. Hopefully I will. Yeah, I think a part two would be necessary. Yeah. Yes, because there's a lot of stuff I was jotting down and writing and I was like, oh, my God, I need to get into this. Um, So hopefully I can work that in with you because that would be amazing because I have more questions. But until then, thank you so very much um, for all of the incredible wisdom nuggets that you dropped throughout this whole podcast. Um, I really enjoyed my time with you, so thank you so very much.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me, Candice. Enjoyed it.
0: You have an excellent rest of your day. You too. Well, my friends, there you have it. I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation that me and Mike had. If you guys did, please let us know by sharing it on the socials, by tagging us on Instagram at Mike MikeBeldos and at Spark Plug Wellness. Let us know what you guys think. I truly appreciate it. Also, like and subscribe to the podcast. It truly does get the value of my guests out there to more listeners. And it allows me to know if I'm on the right track to providing you guys with content and information and value that you guys can implement into your own life. It is now time to go out and do something positive and be positive.